Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Stepping Out. How's it going? Hope you're all well and finding more little bits and bobs to do now that we're slowly peeking our heads out from under our lockdown duvet. Seriously though, take it slowly. Don't go too bonkers booking yourself up to the hilt and making sure you still make and take time to walk and enjoy the lovely weather we're having at the moment. Well, I say this just after we've had a crazy few days of snow, then sunshine, then snow, and that's all in one day in the southeast here. Honestly, we don't know whether to wear a t-shirt or a puffer jacket these days. It's weather like that that really makes me conscious that we live on a little island influenced by so many countries all around us. Only the other day, we had a rainstorm which dumped a load of sand from the Sahara on us, which is a bit of a pain as I now need to clean the windows again. Crazy times. Anyway, I want to introduce my guest today, and that person is Mike Brockhurst. So the next year, she says, right, can, can you help me design it again a little bit differently? Because I'm going to walk it with my two horses. What? <laughs> yeah, so she walked with the horses. He's a right good Yorkshireman, and he created and developed a site called The Walking Englishman. And on there, he's mapped hundreds of walks for you and I to do across the UK for free. And not only that, he has also put all the GPX files on there, which if you love exploring new routes and little nuggets of digital wizardry. We'll talk about those and why and how he created them, along with his story about himself and his motivation to create these routes. So strap yourself into some appropriate footwear, plug your headphones in and off we go. Hi, Mike. Thank you for joining me on Stepping Out. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Cass. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I understand a happy special birthday is in order today, isn't it? It certainly is. I turned 65 on Sunday, um, so now I'm officially a pensioner, although um, I feel great. It, it, it's lovely. I went out for a walk yesterday to celebrate and uh, went into the Yorkshire Dales. It was a lovely sunny day. I did a very nice walk. I met lots of nice people. We all smiled. It was, it was just gorgeous, really good. Oh, I'm sure. I thought you might have done a walk to the market. That's absolutely brilliant. And are you noticing there's more and more people out there at the moment? Yes, it's surprising. Um, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, I'd usually go out into the Dales and there'd be very few people about, maybe a few retired uh, chaps or whatever and a few ladies walking. But no, there, there were families, there were uh, groups. It was just, and, and everybody was just enjoying themselves. There were cars parked, lots of cars parked in the in the car parking areas. It was a very busy day. It was mm. lovely. Because you live in Harrogate, don't you, in stunning North Yorkshire, and that's right near the Yorkshire Dales, isn't it? Well, Harrogate is ideal for me, for what I do. I mean, I, I, I go walking most days, two or three times a week. I've got the Yorkshire Dales uh, to the west. I've got the North York Moors to the east. I've got Nidderdale uh, on my doorstep. I've got the Lake District not too far away, the South Pennines. I'm I'm blessed with uh, a, a, a very choice of walking areas to hand. Mm, and it's a real mecca for walkers up there generally, isn't it? Do you, are you seeing noticing any sort of impact on the environment up there through the amount of people that are out and about at the moment, or is it kind of absorbed it fairly well? Uh, it, it's absorbed it well. I mean, obviously, sometimes if you go late in the day, you're not going to get a car parking area. I mean, mm. that's that, that's one notice, noticeable thing. But uh, on the fells themselves and on the hills, and uh, no, 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 everybody behaves themselves. Everybody tidies up afterwards. Everybody's nice and polite. I do notice people stopping on ladder paths and moving aside because of the pandemic of social distancing. Uh, you know, everybody's mm. aware of that. Uh, but that's generally good natured and everybody smiles and there's a chat about it and it, it it's good it 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 it, it makes you smile and it, it it it's just nice to see these kind of things happening again um after you know the, the bad times we've had over the last year and it's been a it's been a hard winter for everybody hasn't it yeah absolutely and i bet it's just lovely isn't it yeah like you said just to sort of see people getting more and more into walking because we have all been sort of pushed outside to, to exercise and, and it's a really lovely place to be. So lucky people up there that are able to get out and about. And you've obviously got a huge passion for walking yourself, which I sense is kind of weaved into your DNA uh, living up there. So can you tell me a little bit about how you first got into walking? Did you walk from a very young age? Uh, I first got into, yeah, when I was toddling, I was always wandering around the garden and wherever. 
But uh, when I was uh, an infant at infant school, uh, with my parents both working, it was the uh, early 1960s, um, my grandfather uh, took up a lot of the uh, parenting and uh, took me for walks. So my grandfather, who, my grandfather who was, uh, you know, he fought in the First World War. He used to take me around the local countryside. We'd meet the local farmers. He, everybody knew everybody in those days around those places. Uh, uh, and then at the end of the walk, he'd go to the pub. I couldn't see over the bar, so I'd get a glass of orange. <laughs> and it, uh, it was just it was just a very special time. And I discovered lots of places, uh, little areas of woodland, little copses, um, fields, tracks. So the local animals, the farm animals and whatever, it was it was a great upbringing. It really was. Yeah, and I expect it when you were at school as well, you know, school must have got involved in loads of things going on locally. It's right on your doorstep, isn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. We had field trips. I mean, my first introduction to the Yorkshire Dales was on a field trip. We went into Swaledale to look at uh, uh, geography. I don't know if you've done basic geography, Oxbow Lakes and Meandering Rivers. Oh, yeah. I, I learned that at school. Brings back memories. It does. It does bring that memory. You know the little the little dales and valleys. Now, uh, now I'm an adult. You know I appreciate the size, but when I was a kid, they looked massive, just like the you know the uh, gorges in America and whatever Grand Canyon. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah. So, oh, what a lovely, lovely way to be as a kid, just just kind of out and about on the hills and dales with people. Everybody's into it, I guess. Then when when you were younger. So, but how about um. As you grew up, obviously, you know, you went out to work. So what was your what was your previous life before you sort of did this amount of walking that you do now? What were you doing for a living, Mike? Well, I, I worked in the water industry. I was a contractor in the water industry as a young lad. Uh, Travelled around the country. And then uh, in 1980, uh, uh, I met a lady and we, we married and I settled down in, in Leeds. And... Then I moved to be um, an area inspector, which is basically the inspector for the water company who visits the customers who have a complaint, maybe a, la- a lack of water or low pressure, wherever. And my uh, my area was uh, was the Washburn Valley, which is west of Harrogate, and Washburn Valley has a series of reservoirs which feeds Leeds, Thrushcross, Winstead, Houston. Very very popular walking areas. Very beautiful just like you imagine it in uh, All Creatures Great and Small. Mm. And it was just, it was just, a, it wasn't a job, it was a pleasure to do. And um, I I just enjoyed the, the countryside, I enjoyed meeting people, I enjoyed the environment, it was lovely. And I, I got back into walking then. Yeah, I was gonna say that must have really influenced you to walk more when you know, when you were an adult as well. So that, that what a lucky job to have. Well, I was I, I was inspecting the upland reservoirs, you say. So I was well, I was walking in places I walk now as a job, which which was just wow. which was just fantastic. Mm, yeah, and I guess that's what sort of inspired you to do the amount of walks that you do. But let's get to your brilliant site, your website, which I stumbled across last year because I wanted to do an unsupported 100k walk because I'm a little bit mad <clears throat> over two days. And I didn't want to get lost. And I thought the only way to do it is just to get a GPX file from somewhere and follow it. And I did get lost a bit, but that wasn't your fault. But I found your site um, and it allowed me to do that because um, you had GPX files and various bits of information on there about. I was doing the outer Aylesbury ring. Um, and for those of you who don't know what a GPX file is, it's a global positioning data file with waypoints and routes, etc. And it enables you to download it from a website such as Mike's to your phone app so that you can navigate and it was just brilliant because A, it showed me loads of info as I said about the route uh, I was about to take so I could really plan what I needed to do and also it was free. So can you tell me what motivated you to start providing all of that info that you do um, as a gift? Because a lot of people would just do the walks, have a nice time and then be happy with that. Yeah, well the website started out in the late 1990s as a personal diary. That's simply what it was. I was just recording my walks and instead of putting them in a book, I, put, I, I, I very early on learned to uh, script web pages. I learned basic HTML as it was then, which mm-hmm. allowed me to write my information up and put my photographs on in a kind of diary, diary style on, on the web. So I was just basically doing my walks, recording my walks, Lots of them were friends, keeping my memories, 
So in later life, I could look back at them. So basically, that's how it started. Obviously, I did more and more walks. I visited more and more areas. I got more and more passionate about it. And um, it, it burgeoned into something that some other people were enjoying. I started to get lots and lots of emails from people saying how good it was and how inform informative it was. And then a few suggestions from people, could you do this? Could you do that? And that's basically how it's, uh, you know, organically grown to what it is now. Yeah, it must just, it's just a labour of love, isn't it, really? I mean, the, the fact that you just want to share that information, I completely understand that. I love doing it, Kaz. I love doing it. I love writing the walks up. I, I love producing the, the pages. And it, it's, it's a labour of love. I really I really do enjoy doing it. So it's it, it's not hard work. It's, it's I mean, sometimes I have blocks in writing, so I'll leave it for a few weeks or, or a month or whatever, mm. and I'll go walking instead and collect more material. Yeah. Uh, like a writer, that's it. really, you know. Yeah, I get writer's block just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't want to write. I want to, but when I'm not writing, I, I can do designing. So I can design maps and I can design routes. And that's when I do a lot of the things like the GPS files. Basically, I've got uh, a software mapping system. I've used memory map for years. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people are aware, of it, but there's different software, software applications. Memory map was one of the very early ones. Basically, it was created as a, as a site for mariners, for mapping at sea, not, not for on land. Oh, right. But uh, anyway, so I've used memory map, and that allowed me to build the, the memory map files, which were MML files, but they can be converted into GPX files. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that, and that was great. Uh, into, I don't know if uh, you've, you've looked in depth at the website, but in 2011, you said you've done the LV Ring recently. Mm -hmm. In 2011, I... Uh, I, I, I was working as high profile then as innovation manager at, at, at a big uh, international company. Uh, I was I was doing lots of meetings. I was meeting government ministers and whatever. Uh, it was a very high pressurized job working with inventors as well. I I had a blowout and so, so I went to my MD. I, I reported to the MD of the company, and I said, "Look, I've had enough. I'm off. I'm off." Mm. <laughs> I was very Basically resigning on the spot. I was resigning on the spot. I've just blown out with it all and everything else. He says, look, what do you want to do in life? I says, look, I'm going And I just came out with it in a meeting with him. I said, I'm going to walk the full length of Great Britain, nonstop. He says, well, go do that and come back when you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little break, settle down yeah. and come yeah, back. Yeah, because did he you? didn't want me to leave. I did, and that's what I did. Okay. So I spent... I spent the next three months designing a walk from uh, Cape Roth in the far northwest of Scotland down to uh, the Lizard in Cornwall. Wow. I didn't do, I didn't want to do a jog. Everybody does a jog. I wanted to do a, a variation, and I wanted to catch all the mountains. So my route took me uh, first on the Cape Roth Trail, which is one of the hardest trails in the country, uh, then through Scotland, meeting up with the West Island Way, I didn't want to do the Penang Way because I've done most of it anyway. So I deviated off into the Lake District. So I walked through the Lake District. Then I walked the Heart of England Way through the Peak District. I walked the Cotswold Way. I walked the West Mendrick Way. I picked up some of the Cornwall and Devon Ways. And uh, and that was all done by using GPS and plotting mm. it myself. And do you remember it all? Because, I mean, I do lots of walking and, and a lot of it's local to me here because I've got um, young kids. But... You know, I, I sometimes myself have to think back to what was that path? Where did that meet up? I mean, you've done so many trails. Do you, can you map it all in your mind as well now? Now you've done yeah, them all. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I can. I do remember it all. I mean, there are obviously there are moments that uh, this piece is missing, but because mm. I keep a photographic record, I'll look at the photograph memories, yeah. uh, photograph file, and that will remind me of everything. Um, but that was 80 days nonstop. I've walked that, Damn. and I can remember. I can, I can, I can certainly remember his day at days eighteen to twenty because I I was laid up in a bed in Fort William uh, with um, impact damage on a heel. I couldn't oh, move. No. So so there were. T I mean, my wife was very good. She came and she supported me for a week. I, I, I had to catch up that time I'd lost because I planned all the accommodation mm. for that week. She drove the car near near to me, carrying my backpack, so I could do it without that backpack and catch up again. Because what it was, carrying three stone on your back all the time puts an extraordinary amount of 
uh, extra weight onto, onto your body and onto your limbs. And certainly the last piece that holds it all together is your feet. Mm, yeah, I'm always saying to people about, you know, wearing the right footwear is just such a, an important thing. But doing that amount of miles, you can never really predict how your feet are going to behave, can you? Yeah, well, I read lots of books. At the moment, I'm reading um, Kate Humble's book, oh, you know, yeah. The Joy of Walking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that book yourself. I've not read it, no. No, well, Kate, Kate Humble has just uh, brought out a book, The Joy of Walking. And she looks extremely fit, and she, and she walked the Y Valley Way. And the same, she got absolute agony in her feet mm-hmm. and was crying halfway through it because she couldn't walk. And it was, it was because she was carrying extra weight, a big backpack on her, uh, on her back. And people don't appreciate if you carry that extra weight um, oh, and difference. you do it day on day on day out. Mm. But your feet will hard look to it. I am used to it now. It doesn't happen now. Yeah, yeah. No, I was talking to somebody just yesterday about this, actually, because they wanted to take on um, a 50K for the first time. And I was just hammering it into them. Don't carry any more than you need. Don't carry any more. Because, it, I mean, even <clears throat> the thinnest a fleece in your rucksack can make such a difference and just weigh you down that little bit extra and your feet aren't used to it. It's a killer. And then that's it, isn't it? You're done then. You can't really go any further if you're really doing them in badly. Well, yeah, once you're, once you're blistering, if, you, if, your knees, if your knees ache and your feet go, you, no, no matter how dedicated or how, how um, you know, determined you are to do things, it's difficult. Sometimes your body stops you, and and that's what happened for a couple of days for me. But then I recovered very quickly, and I got going again. And by the end of the walk, I mean, at the start of the walk in, in Scotland, I was doing maybe 10, 12 miles a day with a big backpack on. By the time I got the, uh, into Cornwall, I, I was walking 20, 25 miles with a backpack without a problem. I couldn't even feel it on my back. It's incredible, isn't it, how the body adapts to this kind of thing. So that must have just been the most epic journey and one that you'll never forget. So have you got a, a little story that you want to share with us? Anything that really sticks out from that journey, apart from obviously being laid up in hospital for a couple of days? Well, yeah, this is this is the funniest one. And my, my wife will vouch for it. <laughs> when I got home after three months, I couldn't get any of my clothes on. They all fell off me. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I, but all that I, 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 had lost, I had lost three stone in weight. I had uh, I was a little bit overweight anyway. Um, I, one of my friends who joined me for some stages of the walk at the end of me he called it. He called me the lean, mean walking machine <laughs> <laughs> because, because I, was, I was completely different physically to when I started. Yes, and that's what walking. You. Yeah, that's what walking does, isn't it? You know, it's, I think people. Yeah. You know, a lot of people speak to, they want to, you know, really hit it hard and they want to go to the gym and they want to do all this stuff. And I say, look, just get out on the trails and start walking regularly and you will change your body in the way that you want to, but you won't even notice it. You know, you're just going to go out there, walk, walk, um, you know, maybe a bit faster than you normally walk or a bit longer than you normally walk. But at the end of the day, you'll uh, you'll get what you want. Well, I, 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 will, I will honestly say 100% for me, Walking is the biggest health kick of all. It makes you feel better, not just physically, but mentally as well. Mm. Um, I, I mean, a month ago, I had my first COVID vac- vaccination. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm in the age group that uh, I got it quite early. So I had my first, I had my first vaccination about six, about six weeks ago now. For the last six weeks, I'll be honest with uh, your audience, I felt awful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was lethargic, tired, or whatever, and a lot of people, my friends, have felt the same in anything else. About two, three weeks ago, I started walking again, going out walking, and I felt great afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I, I feel better again. I, I suppose the weather, with, with the weather being uh, nice as well, that, that helps. But uh, no, it, walking is a wonderful uh, remedy to feeling low. Yeah, it just it makes everything better, doesn't it? I mean, I, I've on the days I've felt a bit you know can't really be bothered or you know we all have those sort of days where maybe not feeling 100% and as soon as you get out within 10-15 minutes that's it you're kind of back aren't you so it's a lovely it's a lovely way to remedy everything I think yeah do you remember the the, uh, three days of really hot weather about two weeks ago yeah yeah well I went I went walking every day and then one of the days I went walking into uh, the Derwent Valley and I was walking around somewhere near a place called Kirkham Priory and that. And I was, I was walking across this field of quite long grass, uh, grasses and everything else. And all of a sudden I was stopped in my tracks and in front of me in the grass, the grass was moving. 
the grass was moving all over the place and there was this squeaking, you know, that kind of noise without the grass. And I thought, what on earth is that? And 30 seconds later, two stoats ran out. Really? Not often you see those. Yeah, two stoats had been fighting, just playing, obviously, young kids or whatever. They'd been fighting in the grass. They'd suddenly realised there was a human there bearing his eyes down on them. I couldn't see them in the grass at all. But then they shot off like they shot off so quickly. It, 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 um, you know, it was an instant they were gone. But it was just the most marvellous, marvellous moment. Yeah, just unique as well. You know, those are the sort yeah. of moments where I think it's always usually a little bit of wildlife involved when they do some crazy stuff or you come across something that you're not expecting to see. It's just, it yeah. is really magical. I, I love that kind of thing. Even if it's a duck doing something or you see a heron, which is, you know, not the most uh, common bird to see. But um, yeah, everything like that sticks with you. Absolutely. And there's, there's another anecdote. I mean, you said you've recently done the Aylesbury Ring. That's a, probably a, 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 a local walk for a minute your, your, where you live. Yeah, yeah. I can start from my house, actually. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've, we've got two here. We've got the... Uh, Harrogate Ringway, which is 24 mile around Harrogate, and and Nesborough Round, which is about 24 miles around Nesborough. And I was doing the Nesborough Round a few years ago. I was walking through this wood on the east side, and uh, it was in spring when the bluebells were out and everything else. And I was walking. It was just me in this wood, nothing else. Well, I thought there was nothing else. And I'm walking along the path, and in the path facing me, about 50 yards away, upright, bolt upright, was a hare. Mm. <laughs> I just stopped in the tracks. The hare looked at me. I looked at it. It stood motionless for about fifteen seconds before the hare says, "I'm off," and it <laughs> turned and ran. And that was another magic moment. Yeah, but it's always those moments, isn't it? You just catch that moment where both of you are looking at each yeah. other, and then they realise that, oh, I shouldn't be here. I'm going. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, what's he doing here? I'm off. <laughs> this is unusual. Uh, but but those those moments uh, of. You know, animal encounters, you get in the wild and you usually when you be by yourself, it's when I'm solo walking that tend to happen. Mm. I just back, back to the Cape Roth Trail, I remember walking the Cape Roth Trail and uh, I walked around this mountain pass on a, a, a mountain called uh, Ben Stack, Ben Stack, the mountain's called near a uh, lock stack. And I rounded this corner and on the hillside were about oof, a, a massive herd of deer. So these deer were all on the hillside and I I got around the corner, I looked at them, they looked at me, within 15 seconds they were gone. But for that 15 seconds, I just had this memory of all of them focusing their eyes on me. Mm. Oh, just brilliant. I mean, you must have done so many as well. And, you know, from what I can see on on your site, you've done most of the major ways and trails, if not all of them. And they've all got all the information, the individual maps, the OS points, the descriptions, the altitude and everything else. And they're all so covered with these little walker circles over the country that unless you expand the country, you can't actually see it. Have you got a mission? I mean, you know, when do you ever stop? Like, have you created your own as well? Your own trails? Yes, I've created mine. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Dale Celebration Way is a a walk I did in 2004, celebrating the millennium and the Yorkshire Dales. So I walked around the Yorkshire Dales over eight days, which is... A convenient week walk for people and it visits uh, lots of the dales and also every stopping point is in you know a village or town on the route which people can appreciate in the evening as well mm-hmm. so it, it's a cultural but also a landscape uh, appreciation and tribute to the dales that, that i did so that i'm happy with that one so i've committed, created some mm-hmm. but other people create as well and send them to me and I get, I have lots of information from from uh, organisations who create local walks. And I also um, provide information, look up and, and uh, draw the maps for people that ask for bits of more information on walks they want to do as well. Yeah, because it's a real, it's just such a useful hub of, of information there. And you've got, and it's all, you've also got a walking time calculator on there too, which is really handy because especially if someone isn't au fait with their times or pace and, that's the beauty of it, actually, isn't it? Because you provide walks for everyone. It's not just a site for elite people by any means. It's very inclusive, isn't it? Well, that, that is that is a talk about international cooperation. I I, I read about uh, very early days. I, I read Naismith's rule and Naismith's rule on, you know, uh, length of walk plus elevation gain 
for the average person, um, you take a certain amount of time and everything else. I also wanted to add in, if you have a 30 minute break, you need to add that into the walking calculation as well. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to script. I didn't know how to do scripting. So I sent out a call to all the people who were reading the website, whatever. And a young chap from South America, I can't remember if it was Colombia or, or Brazil or it was one of these South American countries, came back and said, I can design it for you. So my walking time calculator was designed by a young man from South America oh, who's reading it. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Collaboration all the way, I just think. It's using other people's talents and skills, isn't it, to get what you want. And I'm sure just thousands and thousands of people must use your site. So you walked the Lake District and you used Alfred Wainwright's pictorial guys, didn't you, to the lakes to help you with that. But yes, you've yes, now yes. created all of those walks on your site, which include, yeah. is it 214 fells, the Wainwright fells, which is just totally brilliant. Was that your sort of initial project that kicked everything off in the 90s or were you already doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I've been an admirer of, of Wainwright for a long, long time. I mean, I know he, you know, he's been recognised as a bit of a curmudgeon and a, a bit of a loner, whatever, but he was also a stickler for information and he was very, very good designer of, in his own right. I mean, his drawings are immaculate, his, his trail routes are immaculate. Mm. Got a Wainwright Appreciation Society in, in the Lake District, and he was he, he was the father of all those walking writers. Let's let's make no bones about it. You know everybody admires what he did, um, and yes. So the Wainwrights was one of the first challenges that, uh, and I thought, oh, yeah, let's help to give some information on how how people can work, do them all themselves. Mm. And it's proved a very part of the website to be nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many routes have you got documented on there all together? Do you do you have that figure in your head, or do you just keep going? Uh, I must have about my own walks now. Mm -hmm. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Wow. And that's so. That's when you say your own walks. So you've got seven hundred of your own walks on there, and other people's walks on there on top. Well, well, seven hundred walks of some of that I've done myself. I've actually yeah. walked them. I don't put walks on my website that I haven't done myself because I can't tell the story. And if you notice, mine aren't route guides, they're stories. I always tell the story of how I enjoyed the walk, what I saw, what I did, um, if it was good, bad, uh, indifferent, if I if I encountered a hurdle, if somebody had put a barbed wire fence up. I've got all of that on as well because people need to know those kind of things. But it's not a route guide. It's a, it's a passionate story of how I've enjoyed what I've been doing. So yeah, they're about seven hundred altogether. Uh, that includes obviously the uh, the stages of long distance walks as well. Mm. Yeah, of which there are many. And you're known as the walking Englishman, aren't you? <laughs> which, yes, listening am. to you, I mean, yeah, you totally earned that title. Where did that name come from? Did you just name yourself that, or did it come up in conversation with somebody one day? How did that come about? Uh, yeah, yeah, I blame the wife. <laughs> Yeah, she takes credit, and rightly so. I mean, uh, she's she, she's a stalwart in support of me and everything else. She allows me to do these things. I've got, you know, I've got a very understanding wife. Every time I go away, I come back home and the house has been redesigned. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of change going on behind your back. And, and talking of change as well, I read somewhere that you're an advocate for cultural change. So how does that play out in your interactions with people and your projects? Because you mentioned about collaborating there, but how, how do you kind of, how does cultural change manifest itself for you? Yeah, okay. Well, I just I just believe that by getting out and enjoying yourselves and meeting people outside and that, you can, it benefits society as a whole. Um, walking is probably the, 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 the one most... As I said before, health benefit benefit I can describe. Mm -hmm. It's a way of meeting people and enjoying society together. It brings people together. Nobody has an argument on a fell. I've not seen that before. Everybody's in a good mood. It puts everybody in a good mood. It does. Um, so I, I suppose in that way, that's what I'm trying to say. I also want to see that everybody can enjoy a free environment. I don't believe in... I also believe that Scotland have it right and England have it wrong in terms of right to roam and access to land. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, what your view is on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, in Scotland, you can basically go anywhere as long as you respect people's land and expect the environment and adhere to certain codes such as um, don't, you know, 
don't leave a gate open, don't yeah. upset animals, mm-hmm. don't uh, you know walk over arable land when it's uh, when it's in in the growing season. But you can you can pitch a tent somewhere and you can cap your, you can wild camp in most places as long as you tidy and as long as you, you take your rubbish away and as long as you you know you don't leave an impact. That's why I love Scotland so much. The only the only downside to that are the midges, of course, mm. but that's. Uh, <laughs> They're probably there to keep us under control, but in England we have such restrictive practices, which I believe is uh, is not right. No, and uh, let's just hope those right to roam groups can kind of uh, move that forward a little bit. That would be good, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And I, I suppose, in a way, the culture change thing. Um, if 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 it hadn't been for the right to roam process, uh, you know, the the trespass, the kind of trespass, and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, in that time, people got thrown in jail and the, and, and the keys thrown away just for walking on a moor that can't be right no that can't be right it, 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 land can be uh, i have nothing against um you know game you know the gaming that, that, that's done on moors and everything else but it can't be done at the uh at the behest of people closing off the whole branches of uplands at times of year that, that can't be right yeah, and also, I mean, even if people own a section of land, it doesn't mean to say that people can't walk on it because, you know, unless it's your immediate back garden, there's no reason if there's just like acres and acres and acres of fields that that's not going to get damaged through people just walking through a footpath, uh, on a footpath through it. You know, it's it's no it's no issue, is it really? Yeah, I mean, look, there are lots. Of, if you go onto Facebook, there are lots of groups, uh, passionate groups, and one of the passionate groups is is, is trig points and and uh, you know heritage points. And a lot of these are play trig points. People can't even get access to anymore because they're in the middle of a middle of a, a managed estate. Now they, they they should be allowed to. You should be allowed to go and stand on top of a mountain and look at the view. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter who owns it. Um, uh, unless there's some obviously strategic, uh, let's say, defence issue, which you know happens in some cases, but no, I believe I believe right to roam uh, in in England should match Scot- Scottish uh, rules. To be honest, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you do a lot of this walking on your own, Mike, and you've you know with your huge epic journey that you did across um, the UK. But who do you walk with sometimes? I mean, you're obviously a huge inspiration to so many people. Do you have a sort of secret circle of mates you go off for treks with, or do you collect people together in groups to go walking? How does it work for you? Well, one of one of the sadnesses life in life is that uh, you lose you lose friends and you lose associations. I mean, I walked with a a, a, a chap called Deke in the nineties. Um, Deke's no longer with us. You know, he passed away. I miss him. I miss I miss Deke. But we had there was a group of friends in the local area that I used to knock about with. But times change. My, my brother, my brother Dave, is a great walking companion of mine. He's such a he's such a lover of nature and lover of the environment. But he's got some hip problems at the moment, so he can't walk very far. And he certainly can't get up a hill. So I just do low level short walks with him at the moment. And uh, other people's uh, other friends have moved away. So we had a great group in the nineties. There was a gang of us that used to go about six or seven. I seem to be the only survivor of that group. Mm. There is another, yeah. One of my friends um, down in Northampton. He's just he's moved. You know, I, I grew up with him in Leeds, and he was probably the inspiration for my getting back into walking in the early nineteen nineties. He's just got a camper van, so we're going to do some trips away this year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but I do like walking stone though. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I like mm. walking stone because when you walk stone, you can stop, you can think, and you can take your time without, without upsetting anybody. Yeah, you can really process stuff, can't you? And and go at the pace you want, go where you want, have a good old think. You know, get everything out there. It's nice, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, it. I mean, referencing back to that Kate Humble book. Now she said that um, you know it. It allows her to unclutter her mind. You know, she's just out there with her, and she takes a dog tag with her, and and it just it, she says, of all the trials and all the tribulations of life, and all all the plans and all the things you have to do, when they're out walking, it unclutters her, her mind. Mm. Now that's exactly she's exactly right by that. It unclutters my mind. It makes you know, it just it it just puts everything in order and everything in in perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 
So walking is just a, a great, uh, it's a great relaxation in it. As yeah, as anything else, I, I completely agree with you. So what's your routine? Because when we were setting up this chat, it became clear that your afternoons are for you. So how often do you walk and what is your daily routine? Because you've obviously got hundreds of walks and they're all out there and you've got them all documented. Do you have a systematic way of revisiting the ones you've done or are you still finding new ones? And what's your routine for you? It's difficult. I, I like to walk most days. I like to walk... Even 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 if I'm working from home, I like to get out for a couple of hours. Usually, just walk into town and get some local provisions. Walk. I mean, I'm I'm blessed that I've got some great parks around here that I can walk through on the way. And at the moment, the cherry blossom is coming out, so there's a there's, mm. a, there's a walk on Stone Harrogate that is uh, just a joy to walk at this time of year. So, if I'm not going out walking per se, I'll walk to do the local tasks for my wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the weather's great as it is at the moment, I see the sun shining on the morning. Because I'm retired, I can obviously, uh, well, I'm self-employed doing what I want to do. I can uh, change my diary at a whim, yeah. as long as I tell my wife we're not going to do anything else. So if it's if there's a three-day window of really great weather, and I like to walk in in the sunshine, it makes you feel better. Mm. So I'll I'll plan to go out for three days. I'll say, right, I'm I'm off for three days in the late district. Would, would that be all right? Have we got any obligations? So obviously, if we've got obligations with family and with grandchildren or whatever, I, I won't do anything. But yeah. it's yeah. But I can I can pl- basically I can make a decision at a whim in the morning, and if I want to go, I'll go. And she says, see ya again. Because that's what I was going to ask you. We all have our little hoops to jump through to be able to go for a walk. Yeah. You know, as, as I said, I've got children and various other things. Yeah. Um, and obviously you walk a lot. But what's your biggest hurdle? What, what's the thing? What's the one little thing that can stop you going out? Is it mainly the weather for you or do you just go out and everything? Oh, no, I'll go out and everything. I'll, uh, obviously, when I'm do- I do a lot of long distance walking, as you've mentioned. I mean, two years ago, uh, just before lockdown, I did the, the South Downs way. And I, I've, I've got a mission to walk all the national trails. There are about 20 national trails. I've done about 10 of them, and another 10 to do. So I've got a mission to do all of them. The Thames path I want to do next, I suppose. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously, if it rains midway through, I've got to walk through the rain. So that, that's not a problem, uh, walking in, in all types of weather. In fact, it's fun sometimes to walk through a, a day of absolute carnage in, in when it's raining all day because it just makes a difference it's a bit of fun sometimes yeah um generally generally i'd I'd rather pick a good week because i when i get down to a mountain top i want to see from the mountain all 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 the surrounding mountains and the views etc if it's if it's you know if if, if clouds are down to 200 meters, you're not going to do that no i know i did snowden last year with a friend and it was absolutely brilliant but it was, I mean, it was hailing. You couldn't see anything when we got to the top, but it, it was it was still good, but I want to do it again, be able to see, like you say. Jordan Stone's one of those mountains it's notorious for keeping a cloud on top. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've, done it, I've done it about five times and I don't think I've ever, I've ever been on the, on the top when it's been completely no, free. No, me do. Yeah, exactly that. I've done, I've done it twice, actually, so far, and both times I think, come on, you know, next time. Um, the rule of averages, <laughs> surely I'm going to yeah. get some decent <laughs> No, even on the best day, even on, even on the sunniest warm day of, of high temperature and uh, uh, whatever, I've I've walked up a mountain and it's been absolutely gorgeous until the last cap, uh, 50 metres to the top and the clouds hit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. There's your view gone. <laughs> it, it, happen- it happens. Clouds attracted to the top of the mountain, believe me. Yeah. So tell me about your um, Outlying Fells of the Lakeland project as well, which is another book by Wainwright. As that is yeah. such, I mean, that is a huge task to undertake. Is it 116 fells and summits in the Lake District? So tell me about that. Yeah, ex- exactly. When he got older, um, he decided, well, I, I, obviously the, the bigger fells and everything else, he couldn't do them anymore. So he decided... Uh, I can still do the Wainwrights. I mean, I, I, I plan to do some one rows over the next couple of years anyway. But I'd, I thought I'd, I'd like to, as a 65th birthday present himself, this year, do all the win, uh, do all the outline fells in one season. 
So that's the plan to do it. I mean, what I was planning to do was hire a house uh, in Kendall for about three months so I don't have to commute all the way over. That would be the killer. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and from there, I've got the base there. Family and friends could visit as well. Mm-hmm. Do all the outline fellows in one fell swoop. A, a lot of people are, are planning to do the Wainwrights in the 36 walks that I've, I've drawn up as well and okay. made available on the website. But I want, I've done most of them, and I want, I'll finish them at the same time. But by parking myself in the Lake District for the summer, I can uh, kill two birds with one stone, I suppose, so to speak, and do all the outlying fells. And some of them are marvellous. I've heard that uh, some, some of the views from some of the mountain tops, um, I forget what the fell's called, um, the Earl's Water at the bottom end, but that's a glor- glorious view as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing them. Oh, that sounds just amazing. And I, I keep kind of, st- every time I speak to people, I keep stacking up all these walks and adding them to my list. And I think, I don't know if I've got enough time to do these, but I'm going to take you as inspiration and I know I'm going to do it. Yeah, when, when you're 65, you, you, you think about that as well. I mean, the Pembroke uh, Coast Path is another one I've wanted to do for years and I've never got around to doing yet. Hmm. Um, so when am I going to get that one? And if I'm doing all the lakes this year, hopefully I can do that next year, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to deciding which it takes priority isn't it Cass? yeah and that's just this country you know you're not even talking about another country and, and we're fairly small compared to the rest of the world there's so many walks to do in this country. it is a it's just a mission isn't it once you decide to do it you've got to get on it well i, I think this country is best for paths i mean there is a big uh, you do, you're aware of the project going on at the moment about the ordnance survey and and the, the land agencies yeah. rewriting on paths in the country yeah if people we're gonna don't lose them aren't we that we're going to lose them, yeah. So lots of campaigns going on. I mean, the Ramblers Association and uh, the Long Distance Walkers Association are two that are passionate about keeping as many paths as possible. Mm. And that's why they've, they've, they've raised campaigns for people to walk as many as possible to keep them alive because they'll disappear if they don't. Mm. We're looking in this country that we've got such great access, uh, number of paths, and that they're well documented. And they're named. People are passionate about creating what, such as the Ellsbury Loop and the Harrogate Ringway mm-hmm. and uh, the Wales Highway and the Dalesway and uh, many, many more. That I mean, there's some, there's some that uh, have really quirky names as well, which are really good. There's the Weaver's Wobble and all kinds <laughs> of... <laughs> I love it as well, the fact that, you know, during this time that we've just had, um, and are still having really, I love the fact that these have all been created, but they're going to be people. Many more people are going to be accessing them, aren't they? You know, and and they've never known about them, ever. And and suddenly these people are going to. Oh right, okay, I've done those walks. I'm going to carry on. You know, there's always a catalyst for somebody starting to walk more. But now more yeah. and more people are, are going to do that, and I just love that thought that those footpaths aren't going to be missed by so many more people. Well, uh, since since I. Uh, put them on the website free for all uh, to look at and enjoy. Uh, I've noticed that some of these walks, obscure walks that I'd never heard of before, I've had over 5,000 to 10,000 views. Mm-hmm. Um, so so 5,000 to 10,000 people have looked at them and I'm sure plenty have, have walked them. And that, that makes me feel great. You know, that we have the, we have the access to do these do, and the challenges and the fitness challenges and, and the bagging challenges. I mean, peak bagging and, and long walk bagging are big passions of people, aren't they? I'm a member of the Long Distance Walkers Association as well. And in the Long Distance Walkers Association, there are people who specifically do challenges. For example, you know the Mon- you're aware of the Monroe Mountains in, in Scotland. They're yeah. about 300. 300 mountains and they're a lot bigger than Wainwrights believe me they are big they are big mountains and some of those are particularly huge challenges that need scrambling like up, up inaccessible pinnacle in uh on the Isle of Sky in the Cullings oh yeah lovely I I am aware of people who've done the round and then go and do it again mm. and I'm aware of people who do them in the 70s and even into their 80s there are lots of people who find these challenges as inspirations to keep going and that's what makes me feel. It is, that's it. It is the challenges, which is what I kind of get involved in as well. And I noticed that you had a link to charity and challenge walks on your site. Is that something you get involved with yourself? 
Yes, I do. And I help uh, organisations. I mean, there's, there's a lady who, who works with people who um, they have mental problems, basically. It, 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 it's young people and, and, and older people who have uh, mental problems. And that she runs a kind of charity and refuge for, for these people. Two years ago, she did a walk around Yorkshire. Her name's Sarah. Um, and she's listening in. Hi, yes, Sarah. And, and, and two years ago, she wanted to walk around the perimeter of Yorkshire. So she got in touch with me. And over uh, the autumn, she came to my round to my house every day and we plotted the route and we, we, we created the files and we put them on a GPS system and everything else so she could walk it with a dog. She went walking with a dog called Yumi. It was a kind of, he's uh, it, like a husky, lovely, lovely dog. So she did that walk. So the next year she says, right, can, can you help me design it again a little bit differently because I'm going to walk it with my two horses. What? <laughs> yeah. So she walked with the horses, <laughs> right? <laughs> and basically, right, uh, and obviously, but that way she could have people joining her all the way around as well. And for some people with learning difficulties and people with mental problems, right. if they're walking, leading a horse, it makes them feel better. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, I, I had to change the route because I had to find bridleways rather than footpaths, right, uh, and country lanes. And some of them, was, these were private lanes, so we got in touch with the landowners to get access to and everything else. So. We designed these two walks, and uh, she completed them both successfully. And and that, that was great, just to be a help, you know, help some charity to do something very special. And I was happy to do that. So if anybody's got a, a charity walk or challenge walk that they want to advertise, I mean, they just go in touch with me. It goes on the site for free, no problem at all. That's my that's that's my contribution, and that's what I do. That's lovely, and it's a really nice legacy to leave, isn't it? I just think that's yeah. admirable. So well done to you. Right, okay. I've got a big thing about Yorkshire, Mike, <clears throat> and Yorkshire accents. It's um as well. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to talk about the lovely language that you speak up there, because it is a little bit like that, isn't it? And I'm always yeah, fascinated yeah. by the different sort of colloquialisms and accents in different areas of basically mm -hmm. a country as small as ours. Um, and also that sayings can be different as well, because even in North and South Yorkshire, there's differences in sayings with just sort of well, big absolutely. hills between the two. Yeah. And obviously a long time ago, not many people would have made huge journeys over huge hills to get anywhere. So different ways of speaking developed, right? So I've put together some Yorkshire sayings for you yep. and I'm going to read them out. And I'd like you, if you're willing to accept this challenge, to tell me what they mean. Is of okay? course. <laughs> if you don't know, and I'm sure you do, just say part. I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried now. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've tried to make them relevant to walking, although some, some have a bit of a tenuous kind of link. Um, yeah. And if you can manage to put them into sentences as well, you get an extra point, all right? Okay. <laughs> There's 15, so you can get a possible yeah. 30 points. I'm going to write down your score. <laughs> if, you, if you get it right, I tell you what, if you get it right, I've got some little sounds as well. If you get it right, I'll play this sound. Right? And if you get it wrong, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get one of those, yeah? Get a boy. All right, yeah. yeah right, okay. Yeah. So here we go. So if yeah. you're listening to this and English isn't your first language, then I apologise And if this is a bit confusing. <laughs> but we in the South probably will fill the I can't Before we start, I, I'm going to say, my wife comes from West Yorkshire and I can't understand half the things she says. Oh, crikey. <laughs> well, I don't know which part of Yorkshire these come from, so I'm completely... <laughs> you and I might be, what? Okay, right. The first yeah. one then is yeah. a gate. A apostrophe G-A-T-E. Yeah. A gate. Yeah, do you know what it means? Yeah, it's something you pass through. No, yeah. not a gate. Not a gate as in a gate. It's A apostrophe G A T E. Do you know what that phrase is? Do you know what that means? A gate. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck with that one. You're gonna get a boing for that one, first one. Do you know what it actually means? On you go or be on your way. Really? Never heard that. Must that must be one. West Yorkshire. It's, Must that's be. A West Yorkshire. Get your wife West in. Yorkshire, South, <laughs> West Yorkshire, South Yorkshire. They're weird number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number... Right, yeah. I'll have to check with your wife a minute. Okay, number two, Beck. Yeah. Neck? Beck. What's, what's a Beck? Oh, a Beck. Yeah, a Beck is a small, is a small stream. I yes. Mean, I, was, I was born in the village of Brompton, and there's Brompton Beck. Well done, yes. A stream or creek of water. 
and uh, I've got here an example is we're dipping our toes in the beck <laughs> so you yeah. got that one right yeah. well done well done well done okay uh number three bedside i love this one bedside table drawers and wardrobe what does that mean bedside drawers and wardrobe bedside table drawers and wardrobe <sighs> oh am i gonna have to tell you what this is this is my favorite it hang, hang on i have to give you a boing yeah right it means that you've eaten so much you can burst Really? Never heard that one before. <laughs> That's amazing. Bedside. I'm sure, um... I'm, I'm sure, they, I'm, I'm sure these, some of these are archaic. Where have you got them from? <laughs> <laughs> Just checking around. Okay, see if you can do the next one. This is really, this is really walky one, this one. Okay. This word is boits. B-O-I-T-S. B-O-I-T-S. Boots? Yes. Boots. Well done. Yeah. You got that yeah. one. Well. Shoes or on. boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one is clartied. C L A R H T dash E E A D. But it sounds like it should be covered in muck or really blathered, I suppose. But is that right? No, it's not. Clart Ede is a quirky person. Really? Oh, yes. we call him Clots. We call him Clots here. Clart Ede. Clart Ede. He's, he's got a clart yeah. Ede. I suppose the Ede bit is the head. I don't know. He's clart in the head. I don't know. Okay, it's number five. Number yeah. six. Clois. C L O I S E. Cloist. Yeah, Cloist. C L O I S E. Cloist. Cloist. Is it close? It's a bit muggy. It's a bit uh, stuffy. I don't know. No. Right. Do you know what it is? I'll give you a boing, no. mate. It's a field. Yeah. It's a field. Is it? Yes, it's a field. <laughs> okay, now this one's related to the quirky person one, actually. Um, and you did kind of, you alluded to this. It's clarty. Yeah. Which is. Oh, that means it's it's a bit blathery, a bit close, and everything else. It well, it's I've got muddy or sticky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'll give you that one. Yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Okay, number eight, creel, C R E E L. Creel. Now, a creel is that's doing fishing, in it? Is it? Not that I've got. I've got a. A creel is. Acryl is a container for fish. Hmm. Well, I've got, I'll give you a boy yeah. and I'll also give you that because I don't know if you're right about that as well. But this one is a wooden rack for drying out clothes. All right. Okay. Acryl. Acryl is also a fish basket. That's what I know it's Oh, okay. Well, you, you get one of those, um, those nice yeah. sounds as well then. Okay. Number nine, flags. Flags. Are, well, that's obviously, I was walking lots, on lots of flags yesterday. And it is? Well, it's, it's a stone pavement. It's a stone pavement over the ruler, so whatever. Yes, it's a pavement or a path. Well done, you got that one. Number 10, yeah. Ginnell, G-I-N-N-E-L. Oh, it's easy. Uh, actually, you only call it Ginnell in some areas. We call them Snickets. Oh, well, snick do you know, I absolutely love that word, Snicket. And I thought that was a Cornish word because I used yeah. to live next door to somebody who came from Cornwall. And they yeah. mentioned that word to me, and I use it all the time now. I say it to the kids, come on, let's go up this snicket. I love it, it's brilliant. So it's an alleyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a snicket, a snicket was where um, a, a, all the snickets in Brompton, the ginnels down in, uh, in in Leeds and whatever. Yeah. I think the ginnels in the, in the towns and the snickets in the country, there you go. That's perfect. Let's, let's make that decision. It's such a good name, right? You get one of those for that. Well done. Okay, uh, the next one is a Gansey or Gansey, G A N S Y. Give us a Gansey, just give us a look. Oh. Is yeah. Is it, it that as well? well? Yeah, yeah, give us a Gansey, just give us a look. I've got a jumper. All right, okay, yeah. Well, Gansey Ganders is what we call give us a look at something. All right, I'll let, I'll let you have one of those for that one because that sounds really convincing. <laughs> okay, yeah. the next one is Ice Shoggles. Ice shuggles. Ice shuggles. S H O W G L E S. Ice shuggles. Ice shuggles. Well, iced obviously is icy. Shuggles. Juggles is a. Uh, 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 no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm beating. Lost on that, that one. Okay. It's icicles. Simple as. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, there ice you go. shuggles. There you go. Okay. Well, well, I, think, I think. I think. I think icicles spelled by, uh, phrased by a child of about three before he can speak properly. <laughs> That's probably where it came from. Okay, this one, number 13. This is Macca. What's a Macca? A Macca? 
M A double C A, and it's not Paul McCartney. No, no, no. Well, it's either Court or Mate. I don't know. I don't know. It's a huge no. stone. Is it? Yeah, get one of those no. for that huge stone. Okay, next well, one. Go I'd, on. I'd, I'd call it. I'd call it if I put my foot on it. Something that is uh, I can't mention on this podcast, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Right, you've got two left. The next one is yeah. nithered. Nithered. Oh, yeah, if I'm nithered, I'm cold. It's freezing. Yes. You got that yeah. one. Well done. And the final one is silin. S-I-L-I-N apostrophe. Silin. Silin? S, yeah, S for sugar. I-L-I-N apostrophe. Silin. S- going for a boing. Yeah, I'm a boinger because I don't know that one. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's heavy rainfall. No. Maybe you should know that in Yorkshire. Okay. Well, silin, I can get that because it's silin down here. So silin, ah, silin. Maybe it's silin, I should have said. Silin. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you've pronounced it wrong. It's silin down. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'll let you off. You got. You still got eight. You, that was pretty good. Yeah. You're still an expert. You're still a proper Yorkshireman. I'll let you off. Have a pie for that. Oh, thank, you. Thank, you, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, so I need to ask you the stepping out question, Mike, which is this. Yeah. If you could walk with anyone with us or past famous or not who would that be where would you walk and what do you think you might talk about with them oh right okay i, I was thinking about this a lot when you asked me the question and there were many famous people i'd like to walk with there was a can i mention two because yes, of the, course, first, the, 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 the first one is um he's a chap called h harry griffiths i don't know if you've heard of him but right. he was another right he's right for the guardian he used to do the countryside uh, uh piece for the guardian um, in the 1980s, 70s, 80s, 90s. He was he was a uh, Lake District man. He knew Wainwright. But he was also um, a... Con- he, he was a conscient tiger, which the conscient tigers were a group of fellow walkers in, uh, you know, the, in, the, in the mid-war years between the First and Second World War and, and after the Second World War, of course. Uh, and his passion for, right, for the countryside and for all things... Uh, uh, Mountains and fells and lakes. Um, I've got some of his books, Memories of the Fell Wanderer. If anybody wants to read a good book, a good uh, diarised book, it's it's that one, Memories of the Fell Wanderer by Harry H. Griffith. I would love to have walked with him. It, I, I wouldn't have done what he did sometimes. I mean, he'd walk on a very cold winter's day, get to a mountain town, take his, all his clothes off and jump in and swim <laughs> in the town. So he'd do that. I'm afraid, no, 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 no. I'd stay covered up. Apparently lots of health benefits to that these days. Everyone's talking about that, aren't they? Yeah, everybody, everybody's talking about that. I mean, on TV the, uh, the other morning, on Breakfast TV, they were all doing it as well. And I thought, no, 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 thank for you. you. Well, not for me either. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Yeah, exactly. So H. Harry Griffiths is certainly the one that I've, I've thought about from a professional point of view. And the other one is, I would love, when I walked South Downs Way in uh, a couple of years ago, just before the COVID pandemic, when I, I walked the, the first stage past Beachy Head and over the Seven Sisters um, on the same day as the, all the aircraft and all the ships were flying for the 75th uh, D-Day celebrations. So I had, I had squadrons of aeroplanes fly over the hill and everything else. And it was just wonderful to see. And it was just gorgeous that day. Mm. Now, when D-Day happened 75 years ago, when the Battle, Battle of Britain happened, my father lived there. My father lived on the south coast. He lived in the land and he saw the Battle of Britain. And I would love to walk with him on the coast and uh, spent a day with him recalling his memories of his childhood up there. I never got the opportunity to do that. We talked of other things, of, of life things and, yeah. you know, the daily window and things. And he died, but my father suddenly died suddenly of a heart attack while at work, walking. Mm. He was walk, He was a railway man and he w- used to walk the line from Southampton to York, which was, a, he did a 10 mile walk every day and he walked 10 miles. And he died on the line. Mm. And, um, you know, just suddenly, just suddenly. And I, sadly, I never got to talk to him and I've enjoyed that kind of opportunity mm. to walk with him. Uh, so, yes. So you'd have those two. I'd have those two. I'd have A.S.H. Griffiths and my dad with me. And Brilliant. that would be my perfect, my perfect walk. It really would. 
Oh, lovely. Thank you for those. Okay, yeah. listen, for everyone out there who hasn't yet, please do visit Mike's amazing site. And the link is obviously in the episode description, as I said. It really is packed full of info and provides a huge inspiration to get out there and conquer these trails. And it is for everybody, as we said. So, and every time I look at it, I spot another one to download to my watch and they're just absolutely brilliant. So Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you about your journey and now our journeys. And I will follow yep. your walks with interest. So thank you so much. And I'll be following Newcastle. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you as well. It's been, it's been lovely, really, really lovely. It's been lovely getting to know you. And it's been lovely recalling my, uh, no, some, of, some of the times I've enjoyed as well. And to everybody out there, as a, as a final note, please go walking. Please enjoy the countryside and appreciate the countryside for what it is. It is gorgeous and you'll feel so much better for it. Your health, the health benefits are unmeasurable. They really are. It's just a great thing to do. And thank you, Kaz. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, Mike, for being with me on Stepping Out. And I'm sure you'll agree what a nice fella he was. He so lovingly puts all these trails together for our walking pleasure. So do go and check out his site and Facebook page and download his files and off you go. Out into the wild and beyond. I proved it by doing that 100k without a rehearsal alone. So you can do it too. Right, I'm off for a wonder myself. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please share this podcast with a friend if you feel they will like it and keep listening. Take care, everyone, and I look forward to having you along next time. Mm-hmm.